Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Journal Podcasts, On The Hoof. Welcome to EVJ On The Hoof. I'm Sarah Smith and today I'll be outlining a paper entitled Intrasynovial Triamcin Loan Treatment is Not Associated with Incidence of Acute Laminitis. The authors are Hazler, Jarvis and McGovern. The work was carried out at the University of Cambridge, Westover Veterinary Centre in Norfolk and Donington Grove Veterinary Group in Berkshire, UK. The paper is available in the Early View section of the Equine Veterinary Journal website. Numerous case reports suggest that corticosteroid administration may be a risk factor for the development of laminitis. However, a recent knowledge summary found no conclusive evidence to support a causal association between therapeutic systemic corticosteroid administration and the development of laminitis in healthy adult horses or ponies. Triamcinolone acetonide is a derivative of triamcinolone and a synthetic analogue of cortisol. Triamcinolone is commonly given via intrasynovial injection for treatment of equine orthopaedic disease. 18 mg has been cited as the maximum safe dose. Studies looking specifically at triamcinolone have reported a low incidence of laminitis in corticosteroid-treated horses, however none have included individually matched controls. This study aimed to compare the incidence of laminitis in triamcinolone-treated horses with matched controls and to quantify the laminitis risk posed by triamcinolone. This is a retrospective observational cohort study comprising groups of treated and untreated horses. To minimise the effect of concurrent risk factors, the two groups were matched according to age, sex, breed and season. To select a treated cohort, the authors reviewed the clinical records of horses registered with one large UK equine practice to identify all horses receiving triamcin loan between the 1st of January 2007 and the 31st of December 2017. In horses receiving multiple treatments, the date of the first treatment was used. The treatment date, dosage and administration site were recorded for each untreated horse. An untreated cohort was then produced. For each treated horse, untreated horses were identified that were born in the same year, were of the same sex, same client type and seen by a veterinary surgeon during the same month as the treated horse. When multiple horses matched these selection criteria, one horse was randomly selected. If no matched control was found, the search was repeated to identify untreated horses seen within six months of the treatment month. Untreated horses were included only once and all were available for a follow-up period of four months. This time duration was used to maximise sensitivity for detecting iatrogenic laminitis, whilst minimising the number of cases with non-iatrogenic laminitis. Exclusion criteria included record errors, case referral from other practices, horses presenting with laminitis at the time of selection, treatment into non-intracynovial sites, and horses lost to follow-up within four months of treatment. This left a total of 966 treated horses with individually matched untreated controls. Patient records were then searched for occurrence of laminitis up to four months after treatment. This was defined as a horse examined by a veterinary surgeon and with a clinical note confirming diagnosis of laminitis. We now move on to the results section of the study. Birth date was available for 889 treated horses, although 678 were recorded as the 1st of January, which introduced bias into age estimates. Median age at treatment was four years. Triamcinolone dose was reported for 207 treated horses at a median of dose of 10 milligrams. For the remaining 759 horses, the number of 10 milligram ampules billed on the treatment date was recorded. Above average monthly treatments were seen from March to September. The incidence of laminitis over the four month study period in both groups was identical at three of 966 horses. 
Horse 1 was administered 5 mg into both four distal seismoidian impar ligaments at a total dose of 10 mg. Horse 2 received 5 mg into a single metacarpophalangeal joint. Horse 3 had triamcin loan administered into the navicular bursa. No dose was recorded, but 10 mg of triamcin loan was billed. Laminitis occurred a mean of 42 days after treatment in May, October, and November. For untreated horses, laminitis occurred a mean of 50 days after the date of selection and in March, September and November. Clinical records indicated no history of laminitis in the three treated horses that developed laminitis. One of the three untreated horses had a previous history of laminitis. One treated horse was found to have mild insulin dysregulation four weeks after the laminitis diagnosis. One untreated horse was diagnosed with pituitary pars intermediate dysfunction six months after developing laminitis. 83% of the horses with laminitis and 34% of those without laminitis were from a general equine client, as opposed to being from an equine trainer or stud. We now move on to the discussion part of the study. In this study, there was no increase in risk of laminitis following administration of intrasynovial triamcinolone, which is consistent with previous studies. Whilst there is little evidence of an association between corticosteroid use and laminitis in healthy horses, the risk may be greater if horses are overweight or have an endocrine disease. Old age and being a native breed or pony have also been identified as risk factors for laminitis in corticosteroid-treated horses. However, these are all risk factors for non-iatrogenic laminitis, and this study offers no evidence for any additional risk associated with corticosteroid use in these cases. This study provides insufficient data to evaluate any seasonality in the occurrence of laminitis. Similarly, since prevalence of endocrinopathic disease and weight or body condition were not recorded, this study cannot indicate whether these represent predisposing risk factors. Old age may be an independent risk factor for laminitis or may reflect the increased prevalence of PPID in older horses, which itself is a risk factor for laminitis. The effect of client type on laminitis risk may reflect different management practices, a lower prevalence of risk factors in thoroughbred racehorses, or a different breed-associated risk. The authors acknowledged several limitations of the study. 32.4% of treated horses were lost to follow-up within four months of treatment. Because the incidence of laminitis was very low, the results' p-values should be interpreted with caution. This low incidence may be due to the study population being biased towards thoroughbred racehorses. There may be existing risk-based case selection, meaning that clinicians are less likely to prescribe corticosteroids to horses deemed to be at a greater inherent risk of laminitis. There may also be a diagnostic bias, meaning that clinicians are less likely to diagnose laminitis in animals perceived to be at a lower laminitis risk. To conclude, this study indicates no increased risk of laminitis associated with administration of intrasynovial triamcinolone. The authors encourage clinicians to be careful to not overstate a link between corticosteroids and laminitis in the face of growing evidence to the contrary, and encourage clinicians to seriously consider the implications of withholding corticosteroids in cases where they represent the best therapeutic option. Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Channel podcast. More about the subjects discussed today can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash evj.